Welcome to the podcast of First Baptist Church of Robbinsville. Thank you for joining us. We trust that the teaching of God's Word will speak to you. Good morning again, church family. So good to see everybody. Visitors, we welcome you here with big smiles and open arms. Those of you joining online, we are continuing in this pursuit of wisdom. Today we move into Proverbs chapter 4. If you have a sword or a Bible, go ahead and turn to Proverbs chapter 4 if you would, and let's dive in. So I want you to, I want to begin today uh, by asking you to think about what comes to your mind when you think about why you or why someone would say, wow, now this is the life. You ever said that before? Maybe you said it this morning. Maybe, maybe when, when you think about someone saying this, um, your mind goes towards the rain and, and the cold winter ending and spring and warmth and summertime getting here. Maybe you see yourself sipping your coffee on, on, the, on the front porch. Maybe you see yourself laying out at the beach or at the lake or with a fly rod in your hand uh, on the stream. And you just, maybe you see yourself, you're not in school or you're off work, and you're just saying, wow, you're, you're at ease. Now this is the life. You, you know what I can bet that none of you imagine right then? None of us probably imagine Jesus just kicked back at the beach, suntanning, you know. Whew, man, I'm glad to get away from those disciples. And then all of a sudden, the day comes to an end. He's like, oh, I got to go back and do my father's work. And he hangs his head and he's like, oh, oh man, people are so difficult. Oh, okay, God. Okay, okay, Father. I'll, I'll go back and, and I'll get to it. N- none of us probably thought that image in our minds, right? But, but, but we would all probably agree, Jesus lived life to the fullest, And the text that we look at today in Proverbs chapter 4 continues with this idea of how wisdom is always navigating us towards a full life, a happy life that we talked about uh, a couple weeks ago. And and wisdom wants us to believe that this, this is what we can say every day. Granted, circumstances can look different. But think about from the point of view of, of the gospel of John, John whom referred to himself as the one whom Jesus just loved and would have never said that about. But John kicks off his gospel with such a familiar verse. And he says, look, this is what it was like to be with Jesus. In him was life. Zoe, fullness of life. In him. Doing life with Jesus was just watching someone live life to the fullest. And, and, and John says, and, and his life was so full it, that it just, it was like a light shining into the lives of other people who were empty, who were less full. It was an invitation. John says to do life with Jesus was watching a person walk and live in such a way that they were always, he was always calling people out of darkness into his fullness. It's just, just simply, he was saying to them, follow me. Walk out of your emptiness and walk into my fullness. That's how John introduces Jesus. So just think about this for a moment. Think about the way the scripture, especially in the gospel of John, lays out the kind of life that Jesus 
came to give all people. John says, look, he came to give everlasting life. John uses the word believe more than 90 times to really say the person who trusts in Jesus in that moment is given everlasting life. They're given assurance that your life from this day forward will last forever. That's a promise that you can't put enough value on. But John goes on to say, Jesus also come to give newness of life. In fact, John put it this way in chapter one, to as many as received him, to as many as believed in his name, to those people, he gave the right to become the children of God. John literally is meaning this. We get birthed into a new family. We're born as children of Adam and Eve, but Jesus came to give us a new life, a new family, a new DNA, and a whole new future. Children of sons and daughters of God. He reverses the curse. And of course, in chapter 3, Jesus refers to it as being born again to Nicodemus. But then John goes on to say, man, in chapter 14 and 16, Jesus kept saying, the spirit is going to come because I want all my people, all my followers to have a spirit-filled life. In fact, John said, Jesus kept saying, it's actually to your advantage that I go away so that he will come. And, and, and when he's here, he will guide you into all truth. And we know Galatians 5 really well. And, and I think we would all agree that to live every day with love and with joy and with peace and with kindness and with goodness and with patience and with faithfulness and self-control on the good days and the not so good days is a very full life. It's a spirit-filled life. It's the whole package. Well, Jesus would then go on to even say, there's more. I, I've came to give you a purposeful life. I want all of my people to have a life so filled with the Spirit set free from their past because they're new, they're in the family of God, that you find yourself every day waking up with purpose. Jesus, Jesus actually said, as the Father loved me, I've loved you. Abide in my love. He said that in John 15. In other words, the Father sent me on a mission. The Father sent me to show the world what love really looks like lived out especially around people that are hard to be around. And, and he says, when you love like I love, your life has purpose. Your life has eternal significance. You don't have to compete. You don't have to compare yourself to other people. You don't have to always find yourself measuring up, but measuring not enough. Every life can have purpose. And, and, and John really in the New Testament really just puts all this into perspective and says, look, this is what it means to live a full life. This is what it means to look at Jesus all put together and say, wow, that's a full life. And, and you, you all remember, we all remember what Jesus said in John 10. Jesus warned everyone and he said, the thief, the thief come to steal. The thief wants to rob everyone of the life that he came to give. He wants to do that by killing and destroying the way we think. He wants to prevent us 
from accessing wisdom that teaches us how to think and live this way. But Jesus said, good news, good news. I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly, fully, not halfway, not half empty, but full, running over, drinking from the saucer. That's the life that I come to give. And I'm just quoting Jesus here from the Gospel of John. And so it's fun when we just kind of, we just pause in the difficulties of our, of our day and our week and just say, okay, he really came to give me that life. And so just have that in mind because this is what's so fun about every time we open up Proverbs is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit wasn't a permanent resident in the life of people who trusted God when Proverbs was written, when, God, when Proverbs was copied. But we get to read Proverbs with the Holy Spirit who is ready and willing and able to empower us and guide us into all truth. So if you would, with the word of God open, please stand with me in reverence and honor for the reading of God's Wisdom, holy, inerrant, inspired, infallible. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 1 says this. Hear, my children, the instruction of a father and give attention to no understanding. Now move down to verse 13. Take firm hold of instruction. Do not let go. Keep her. She is your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we know that sandwiched in between verses 1 and 13 is life. It's wisdom's guidance to the life that you long for us to access day in and day out through Jesus and by the power of your Holy Spirit. And so we thank you that you're a life-giving God. We thank you that we can see your heart, we can hear the words of your son, Jesus, and we can be sure today that you have the power to give life. So we ask that you would speak life to the dead, that you would speak light into the darkness, and that you would allow the hearts and minds of your people to just soak you in and to give you our attention and to hear what heaven would say to his people today. In Jesus' name, amen. It's been a really fun week studying out this passage. And so what's kind of neat this morning is there's not a here's point one, point two, point three. We're just really going to say here's, here's the big idea. Here's what's in every verse of chapter four, and especially what we're going to look at today in verses one through 13. God's path to a full life is experienced within both giving, the giving, and the receiving of his wisdom. Highlight the word giving and receiving. The two never get separated. Watch this now. If, if you separate giving from receiving and just focus on one, then it's not a full life. Think about this. If, if a giver stops receiving, then the giver runs out. Eventually, he has nothing or she has nothing left to give. 
The giver gets empty, bankrupt, dry. If the person receiving never learns to share, never learns to to give, never learns to say, wow, I've been given so much, I can't wait to go and share this or give this or distribute this in some way with someone else. What happens? That person will then live as a consumer. That person will live as a taker. That person will always expect more. And when that person stops receiving, that person's going to say, hey, Where's it at? I'm, 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 I'm expecting more. That person will live dependent upon the giver. And that is not the life that Jesus lived. That's not the life that he called us to live. You ever watched someone throw a tantrum when they stopped receiving? Ever watched someone get upset when is that all? Is, you know, is, is growing up, maybe Christmas morning came with some of those expectations. But when the two are put together, wisdom says, look, this is God's path to a full life. And this is, in simplicity, how Jesus did it. So now, look at, back at verse 1 of Proverbs and just imagine Think about an image that comes to mind with verse 1. Hear, my children, the instruction of a father. Give attention to no understanding. And maybe, maybe what you see there is, is a, in, in fact, the father sitting down with his children. Maybe you see a mother on the couch reading or sharing or discussing. Maybe you see a teacher or a coach or an instructor in some way just eager to teach, excited because I have something to share today. And then the teacher or the dad waits. What's he waiting for? He's waiting for everyone to give him or her their full attention. A lot of you are teachers or coaches in here. Have you ever found yourself saying, look, until you stop talking, I can't do anything. If you're talking while I'm talking, we're not getting anywhere because I know you ain't listening. You You ever been that teacher? Because what you want and what you value in that moment, maybe you have 10 minutes, maybe you have an hour, but what you value in that that moment is you believe, you truly believe you have something good for that person's life and you want to make sure that they're tuned in. And so the the, the father is now saying, give me your full attention. God is asking us to give his full attention. And let's pause here and let's just say, If something in the text this morning recalls a bad memory, maybe it was the father or the mother that was never there for you. Maybe it was was their, their absence or their hurt. Maybe it was you as a father or a mother looking back to five or 20 years ago. If something in the text brings back the hurt or the bad memory, can we just ask God to put that behind Put that behind you because as a church, Jesus never, he never calls us to look back and be beat up and defined by our mistakes or what someone did to us. He's always calling us to learn from it, but to go forward. And so as we read this morning, the goal is to look to our heavenly father and to see it like Mary said at the feet of Jesus and to just say, I'm here to soak you in. And and so verse two would then go on. And the father says, here's, here's our heavenly father says, here's why I really want your attention. I have something so good to give you. I give you good doctrine. 
Don't forsake my law. Don't turn your ear. Don't tune me out. Don't play tic-tac-toe. Just, just for a moment, just soak me in. Don't we have a good heavenly father? He's so gentle. He's so inviting. And then Solomon says, and our heavenly father says this, when I was my father's son, tender, and the only one in the sight of my mother, he also taught me. And said to me, let your heart retain my words, keep my commands, and live. Now think about what just happened. Solomon just told his son Rehoboam, what I'm about to pass on to you, what I'm about to give to you, I received. It wasn't my big idea. I'm actually going to pass on to you what King David, my daddy, gave to me. And now you think of this, David is in heaven now. The way the text is worded, when I was my father's son, David's no longer alive. And Solomon knows his birth story. He knows about David and Bathsheba, his mother. He knows about the murder of Uriah. You know what? He knows daddy made mistakes. But I'm... I'm going to reach into daddy's legacy because daddy repented. He repented of that sin. And I'm going to hold on to some of the wisdom and I'm going to pass on the wisdom that he gave to me. Man, don't we need our children to forgive us sometimes? Don't we need our grandchildren to forgive us? Don't we need friends to forgive us sometimes? So it's neat. David is reaching in and he's saying, Grandpa gave this to me and I'm passing it to you. Does that sound familiar? Can you see, can you kind of hear Jesus saying, as the father sent me, now I'm sending you. As the father poured into me, I've poured into you. In John 15, Jesus went on to say, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I've kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Solomon is saying, I may have gotten a lot of things wrong, but there was something that daddy passed down to me that I've kept, I've kept, I received it, and I'm so excited to give it, but I'm just asking you, open up your heart, retain it, keep a hold of it. Now think of this, if you watch a, um, a survivalist show, anybody you watch Alone or maybe you've watched a survivalist show? Okay, a few fans. I'm always intrigued by how people survive, you know, basically with nothing. But you know, there's, there's one thing that, whether they have a lot or a little, there's one thing that every survivalist keeps, they retain, they guard it with their life and it's their fire starter. Sometimes it's a lighter, sometimes it's your one match, son. You know, and it's, it, it's their pharaoh rod. And, 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 and in some of these shows, they lose their fire starter. And when they lose their fire starter, they tap out. They, they're done because that fire starter is like their lifeline. I can't live without that fire starter. It's my warmth. It's the heat in the night. It's how I'm going to cook my food if I catch or kill something. It's how I boil my water to kill the germs. It's, it's my lifeline. I need it to survive and to thrive. That's what verse 4 is saying. When God speaks to us, he's saying, hold on to it, keep it, grab it, retain it, keep it near your heart. Isn't it interesting, kind of like last week, that it's, it's near your heart, like the necklace that's near your heart. What's right here? 
This is our lifeline. This is, this is our heartbeat. This is the flow through of oxygen to our brain. Cut this off. and I'm a goner. And so he's saying, I keep it near to your heart. This is your lifeline as you soak it in. And then he says, here's what I want you to keep near your heart. Imagine that. Get wisdom. Yes, at that point, hasn't been made clear in the book of Proverbs yet, right? Get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her. She will preserve you. Love her. And she will keep you. Now think about this for a second. The, if you just kind of highlight that, that little phrase, the words of my mouth. The words of my mouth. You ever been around a person, or maybe you've been the person, but if you ever been around a person that all they do is talk. But it's more of like rambling. It's like they talk and they talk and they talk and they, all have, they always have so much to say, but nothing they ever say has any value. It's kind of like useless information. You don't really gain anything from it and you're just kind of like, You're trying to love. When's he gonna stop? <laughs> now I don't. I don't ever feel that way towards you. Just so you know. Just, but you, it's just all that you can do. It's kind of like useless information, and you find you kind of find yourself saying, "I don't really think you believe what you're saying," and you kind of start saying, "I think you're full of it." And it uh, is not wisdom by being full of it. And, and just maybe then you get a breath. And, just, and so it's just useless. God is saying, I want my people to soak up my words, but they're worth something. It's, it's words that as you receive it, it's something worthy to give. It's something good to talk about with your friends and with your family. It's words that promote good discussion. It's words that cause you and cause me to walk away saying, hey, Man, that really got me thinking. And they come back to you the next day or the next day. And they said, hey, the other day at school or at work, you said this. And I'll be honest, I, I haven't stopped thinking about it. It was worth hanging on to. Sometimes people just have words and all they kind of do is rant. You know, they, they use scripture as a diving board into their opinion. And, and so they, they start out with something Jesus said and they end up just kind of ranting about everything that's wrong with the world and whose fault it is. And you're kind of like, well, you know, since the fall in Genesis 3, the world has actually been that way. Isn't it neat how Jesus lived a full life while Rome was murdering people, crucifying people all around him? All the time. But then there's this other command here that Solomon is given to Rehoboam. And, and let's be honest, as parents, you ever, your, have your kids ever said something before and you're like, I taught, I taught him that. They don't give you any credit. And, and they're, they're pretty sure it was that they come up with it on their own. Or then they name off somebody like Joe Dirt. And you're like, he, he didn't teach you that. I taught you that. You know, and so you can kind of hear a father here saying, don't forget, some of us in this room, especially if you did the, the, the blue, red, yellow, green class, we're yellows, and it's like forgetfulness is in our DNA. We were born, I see a lot of you nudging each other. We just forget things. It's like we were born to forget things because you were born to remind us of things, right? I know, that's why we need each other. 
You know, when I was in college, I used to write my to-do list on my arm. Anybody? It's before cell phones and notepads. I had my to-do list written all over my hand and arm. And, and, and someone said to me one day, you're going to give yourself ink poison. You should write it on a notepad. So I wrote it on a notepad. But then I still kept, I kept forgetting to get the notepad out and look at it. You know, are you anybody with me? All right, I'm just being honest. But then, but then this little notepad came out for your cell phone and you can just say, Siri, remind me at 2.45 today to something, something, something. And then an alarm goes, I mean, it changed my life. Okay. Well, the good news is the text isn't just saying for you people who are born with a forgetfulness, you have hope. The, the te- or you're hopeless. The text is actually saying there's more. When you put the do not forget with the do not forsake, the text is actually saying in order to go against wisdom, it has to be intentional. It's a little bit stronger than just, I forgot to be wise today. it's, it's, It's a strong, I turned against what my heavenly father told me to do. Let me give you an example. David had Solomon. Solomon had Rehoboam. Rehoboam didn't listen. Rehoboam, who read this, was a pretty harsh king when he became, he made the labor much more strict on the people. Well, Rehoboam would grow up to have kids, and and one of his many kids was Abijah. Well, Abijah reigned for three years, and Abijah was wicked. He didn't get it. He forsook wisdom. Well, then Abijah, who had also many children, a lot of wives, he had a child named Asa, A-S-A, Asa. I hope I'm saying that right. Asa sounds pretty good. And Asa, man, when you start reading in 2 Chronicles, like chapter 15 or 16, you're like, yeah, Asa. Asa gets it. Asa applies God's wisdom. He doesn't forsake it. There's like revival in Israel. All these cool things happen. Statues and idolatries going down. And then all of a sudden, you get to chapter 16. And suddenly, Asa forsakes wisdom. So it's more than just forgetfulness. He turns away. He makes a treaty with Syria. It's not a good treaty. In fact, God sends someone to confront King Asa, the great-great-grandchild of King David. And he says this to him in 2 Chronicles 16, yet because you relied on the Lord in your past, you started out so well, you were relying on the Lord God delivered them, them being the enemies, into your hand. That's a good life. The enemy's just falling at my feet. And then he says this, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of who? Those whose heart is loyal to him. Asa, in this you have done foolishly. Therefore, from now on, you shall have wars. That doesn't sound like a full life, does it? That doesn't sound exciting. Asa, you, you, you loved wisdom, but then you despised it later on in life. It's a, such a great reminder to say, wherever you are on this journey, let's keep pursuing wisdom together. We don't want to turn out like Asa. So verse 7 of Proverbs 4 would go on to say, look, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. They come together in one package. 
Exalt her, her being wisdom, and wisdom will promote you. She will bring you honor, and when you embrace her, she will place on your head an ornament of grace and a crown of glory. She will deliver you. You feel, the, you feel God's heart here. He wants us to get wisdom because he so desperately wants to give it. It's the loving parent that's just, you're just pleading with your child, young or old, to get it. You want, and that's God's heart for us. Now, I look at this, I look at this section and I think, well, this, is, this really captures the heart of a loving parent, a loving coach, a loving, a loving teacher. There's times in life, in the youth group or, or wherever, whenever that student or that, that person that's under your wing, something changes. Now think about what I'm talking about here. If you're the coach and you're driving the team home at night and suddenly you look and that person is sitting in the front seat of the bus and they just want to talk with you. They want to ask you questions. It's, it, you're a teacher and that kid, class, the bell rang, class dismissed and you're standing there and the kid's just standing there. Something changes. It's, it's, it's you as a parent whenever, maybe your, whether your child's five or 15, all of a sudden you look down one day and they're saying stuff like this. Can I go? Can I go with you? Can I sit beside you? Can, can I, can I help? I want, I want to try. Can you show me, can you show me how to do that? I want, I, want, I want to try too. And sometimes maybe you're doing something that's kind of dangerous and they just say to you, they just say, can, can, I, can I just watch you? What, what is happening in those moments? It happens on almost every team. It happens in the classroom. It happens at home at times. That child is saying, I'm giving you my full attention. I, I, I admire you. I look to you. My home is broken and I need you. My, my life at school right now is just, it's, it's full of temptations and I just, I want something. I don't even know how to put it in words, but I want it. That's your moment. That is the moment, mom and dad, as grandparent, uncle, mentor, coach, seize the moment. As a church, we have to be so sensitive to this moment because hearts have been crushed. <clears throat> I, I don't have time. I don't have to go do something. I, I, I don't have time. Go, go, go watch something. I, I, can't, I can't right now. I'm too, I'm too busy. And I know there's times. I know there's times when, when that's true. I, I get it. But yes, it will take a little longer. Yes, you may not get finished. And, and, and yes, it can be very difficult. But one day, whenever that child is suddenly speaking the way you spoke, is doing what you did, and someone will say to her, and say, hey, where'd you learn to cook that? She will rise up with what wisdom says, honor and glory, and she will say, <clears throat> taught me how to cook that. One day when he's doing that and he's thinking that way and he's, he's in a relationship that he views it very different than the other guys on the team or at work, someone's going to say, dude, where, 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 you, where, where did you learn to think that way about your girlfriend or about life? He will swell up with joy because 
he receives something so good and it's catching the attention of his friends. And with honor and joy, wisdom, well, now, now he has something to give. He has something. Don't we want that? We want that so bad. Look, I saw something Thursday, and I'm, not, I'm going to put a picture up, but it's not from Thursday. But it's kind of like Thursday. But Thursday, getting to do, getting to do Joe Buchanan's funeral and just celebrate his life and just the veteran he was and the person he was. Was, after the, 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 the military played, played the taps, thank you, and, and, and they took that American flag off of his casket and folded it and folded it and walked up. And this military officer, he walks up to, to Joe's son, Todd, and, and just and kneels down in front of him and looks, whether it's that child or that grown son, and presents to him that flag. You know what? I mean, in that moment, that child is saying, in that military soul, he's saying it, but he doesn't even have words. Your daddy was a man of honor. You can be proud of him. Now I realize we can't all say that, but we can about our heavenly father. And this is the way God wants us to receive his wisdom with joy, with honor. He speaks it into our hearts and we say, we look out and we say, Tad, I'm going to go give it my all for you. I get one life. And so Solomon says, here, my son. He just wants his son, receive my sayings. The years of your life will be many. And the word, the wording here doesn't necessarily mean wisdom says you'll live to be 162. So much as wisdom says the life that you do live will be full. It won't be wasted. The life that you're given will be full because as you receive, you give. And he says, I've taught you what you're receiving and what I'm teaching is because I once received it and David received it too from his heavenly father. I've taught you in the way of wisdom. I've led you in the right path. You just kind of feel a parent here with confidence. And so then he says, look, when you walk, your steps will not be hindered. Because you're walking with wisdom and in wisdom. When you run, you will not stumble. And just, you pause right there in verse 12. Isn't it so good that what we're doing as a church and what you're choosing to do as an individual is you just cry out for wisdom day in and day out. We're asking God, God, if there's things in my life that's going to trip me up, show it to me. Light it up, Jesus if there's people in my life that are trying to run me down the wrong path, away from you, away from your heart, show me. I don't want to fall. And sometimes wisdom, by the power of the Holy Spirit, just says, <clears throat> hey, hey, you, you probably should stop looking at that. Hey, I know what you're thinking. Don't let it come out your mouth. Just Put it in your pocket, throw it away. And wisdom just, hey, you look, okay, you said it, you said it, you, you did it. Wisdom says, look, you're falling. I'll pick you up, but let's go back and apologize. Let's deal with it. Let's not sweep it under the rug. Let's deal with it. And he says, look, if we will live like this, 
We will take firm hold of instruction. We'll never let it go. It's our lifeline. We'll keep her for she's your life. Many of you have read the book uh, written by Steve Farrar, Point Man. You remember, like, it's in chapter one. It's so quick. I, I read this book in 2008 with Luke Ritter, and I was like, where's this been all my life? And I wasn't even married then and didn't even know Jennifer. But in chapter one, he immediately gets right to it. He says, look, the enemy has two strategies you can always count on. If he doesn't win you over with the big bad decisions in life, he subtly wants to to separate husband from his wife and sever the relationship. And then he wants to come in and he wants to distract a father from his children so that the relationship is separated, it's severed, it's nothing. It's just, I'm just too busy. We're just doing this. We're just doing this. And just with good things, he loves to use good things so that the receiving and the flow through and the passing on of wisdom is lost. And the fullness of life is lost And so I just find the text today saying, look, look, wherever you are in life, it doesn't matter if you're on your second or third marriage, it doesn't matter how many mistakes you made this week or last year. Wisdom says, let's start and let's go forward. Let's move forward and let's do it together as a church family. So I just find that the text is really saying when, as we continue to grab hold of this process, It's a process of listening and learning together. It's a process of practicing and maturing together. It's a process of, oh, mess that one up. It's a process of failing and forgiving together. It's a process of confessing together. It's a process of recovering and healing and adjusting together. It's a process of overcoming together because we're both receiving and giving together. So that like Jesus... John said it best. John said, look, I heard him pray. I heard him pray the night before he went to the cross. And he was talking with his heavenly father. And he said, this is eternal life. This is fullness of life. It's not going to heaven yet. It's that they may know you. The only true God, Jesus Christ, whom you've sent And he knows, I lived a full life because I've glorified you on this earth. I finished the work which you've given me to do. Yeah, I've not went to the cross yet, but I ain't stopping now. This is the life that I want my people to live. This is the life that wisdom is calling us to. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we just gaze, just gaze for a moment Would you do what only you can do right now? Draw the lost to yourself, whether here, whether online. Draw the lost to your saving grace and your love. Tell that person, don't let your earthly father be a distraction from knowing your heavenly father. Tell them that you have loved them with a perfect love and you've invited them to a full life. Lord, would you speak into the life of the church today? Give encouragement where encouragement is needed. But call that one back that just kind of drifted away like King Asa did. 
Let us be a church where people can come and feast upon your wisdom because it's flowing through your children. As you give it, we receive it, and we pass it on. Let that be true in this place. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope that you were encouraged by the teaching of God's Word. If you have questions or would like more information about our church, you can find us at www.robbinsvillefbc.org or call the office at 828-479-3423. God bless you and have a great day.